do 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 right there we go why have i quit my job why have i you know bought a van and, and why am i going to drive around the country well i'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard and i want to stitch these stories together across the states we're going to find the commonalities and it's going to be really an amazing experience and i look forward to you joining me on the job Hello, everybody. Good, And it's a really proper good morning. I know I say good morning all the time, but it's a proper good morning now. It's 7.30 here, uh, 7.30 in the morning um, on Tuesday. And it's just another beautiful day here in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. And I'm traveling across the country in my 93rd city, I think. Uh, roughly about 300 and something interviews done. And as, as I said in that video, the common thread I was looking for and did find it, it's mental health. And I continue to interview people in this space, you know, and talk about mental health and their own personal journey a little bit, how they ended up getting into the mental health space, and then really what they're doing, what they hope to be doing, how they're helping people, uh, what they see kind of changes. So really want to just talk everything, you know, all things mental health, all kinds of different people from all different backgrounds. Uh, Sarah Reese Evans, happy Tuesday morning, welcome to the show. Even though it's late, late on a Tuesday for you in South in Southwest France, you said. Yes. Yeah. 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 Half Amazing. Passport. Half past four. Well, welcome, welcome to Mental Health Today. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Uh, much appreciated. Are you French or are you British? I'm British. Yeah. What are you doing in What are you doing in Southwest France? Well, we've been here for like nearly 20 years and we had a holiday wow. home for over 20. So it was either America, moved to America, Canada or France. And we already had a house here. So France won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's an easy <laughs> same time zone, families over there, everything else. Um, what did you do for what have you been doing for work for the last, you know, 20 years? What has been your kind of your core your core wow. background. Okay, my core background was I was a high achiever, high flyer, yes. um, very career-minded, um, and lots of studying. So basically degree, masters, those kind of things, and, and mm. continuous studies. So I was a, a lecturer. I was a okay. head of a section in a college oh, in the UK. And then also managed a project, I think one of several projects across the UK. And the idea of it was to actually change the way that um, subjects like English and maths, the core subjects were actually taught um, in, in colleges. So mm. based on all the research that was then given back to the government and it, it changed the way that these subjects were taught they were more integrated and the kind mm. of resources that we used were changed so that's that's like my background yeah um, educate education education yeah and yeah. then came out of it and then came into project management renovating property in france project management okay interesting combination yeah you know moving to a new country different language away from all your family i you know, said that I would give up my career 
and I did and I struggled with it I must admit that was something I struggled with going from the lots of work lots of high pressure to suddenly you know having lots of spare free time and not knowing yep. what to do with it and then basically coming around mm. I then I had my own health and wellness struggles with chronic fatigue for over 20 years and mm. in and out of depression that was so well hidden and then basically I recovered and here I am now. I created my own business, working internationally, helping others to to recover um, off the back of my own journey. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, such a common story of people finding their way and then turning around and offering a hand. Like, yeah. you know, I got you, right? I, I, did, I did this already. Let me, like, let me help somebody else. Was your depression... Did you know you were depressed or, or was it suppressed depression? Like, I just, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm, I think I'm fine. Mine went back to young childhood. So I had an adverse childhood experience. Um, mm. I was, um, if I'm okay to share, because I don't want to trigger anybody. No, it's okay. Um, share. It's a mental health show. Everything's on okay. the table. So I was sexually abused at eight years old. And it was in the household and it wasn't my parents, but it was somebody who we were actually adopting. And off the back of that, words were said to me and my breath closed down and I knew something wasn't right. Mm. From that moment on, things changed. And it did happen when my parents were in the house as well, even though my parents didn't know. It was like very well, um, very well covered up if you like. Yeah. It's a con and also not uncommon. It's a sec recently. I just heard of somebody else abused by a person they were adopting. Yeah. This, this is what happened. Yeah. So this is what happened. He was, yeah, I was eight. he was 15, 16. He was my, my brother as such a foster brother. And we were in the process of adopting him. And even through that, I, I didn't say anything because you're silent not to say and the things they say to you, you know, for me personally, it felt oh, yeah. more, I felt more pressured in actually sharing what was happening because of what he'd said would happen to me, if yes. that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. the fear no, I mean, this, yeah, of what yeah. if, if I shared yeah, compared yeah. to what was actually happening. Yeah, and then so, you just have yeah. to bury, you're going to bury that. And then that ends up, obviously, that's not something you want to have buried. No. Interesting. So that's what's ultimately led to the depression. In some, and did you remember, uh, did you fully repress everything or did you always remember? Always remembered. And I always even remembered. worked on forgiveness. So from eight years old, um, I connected with, God, I was already connected, very spiritual. Um, and if you like, my grandpa, my grandma and great-grandma were healers. But I believe everybody's a healer. I, be mm. I believe everybody has it in them. It's, it's you know, connecting, um, that, you know, going into that spiritual connection. And basically, I, I asked God for advice or the universe, whoever you believe in, and the advice that came back was great. forgiveness. So I never realized forgiveness could go so deep. That is powerful. Yeah. What a great, wow. What a great, I mean, what a great, I mean, 
not a great lesson you'll have to learn, but a takeaway at least very powerful. Very so, powerful. Yeah. Yeah. How are you so how are your clients now? What kind of clients are you are you attracting or you're finding? A range. So initially I worked with women only, and that mm -hmm. was because of my own I can't say big triggers because they were no longer big triggers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but supporting men to that level, I really yes. wanted to go into business supporting women first mm -hmm. and then gradually build up. So now the doors are open to working with men because men have been contacting and asking to work with me behind the scenes as well. Yeah. And I felt, well, now is the right moment. So the kind of clients I have, high achievers, um, perfectionists, Oh man, um, <laughs> that's child, a tough life. Childhood a... trauma. Also, childhood trauma. Okay. Adverse childhood experiences, uh, grief, suppressed grief. Suppressed um, grief. Yeah. Yeah, you know, repressed grief. Mine was repressed grief as well. Um, so there's like this whole range of like these high flyers really pushing through their days and really pushing through their days on low energy. What is, tri I, I, I know you've used the word trigger, but what is, what's prompting people to, call, to reach out now? Is there a shift in consciousness about mental health or is there a, you know, just an awareness where it's like, yeah, if I don't need to carry this around or is this just a normal, do you feel this is like a normal cycle of people get to a point and they reach out? various things um, mm. from my perspective my experience working with clients and the point of views that I take with things like sexual abuse and deep trauma and it doesn't have to be sexual abuse but quite often that can take 20 30 years or so for yeah. people to actually come forward and say it happened or to be yes. able to start processing it and allowing the feelings to come <clears throat> up or even to share. Um, mm. So there's that. The other side is energetically. I'm all about energy and, you know, the spiritual connection. So energetically, I feel that there's huge changes happening universally mm. and things that emotions were able to be suppressed before or repressed. Right, right. Naturally being brought to the surface. And then there's big awareness around mental health. Yes. And, you know, in America, in the UK, in France, you know, internationally things are happening. And I do feel that's being brought to the forefront. Mm. And people are more open to talk about it and listen to what's happening or has happened to others and to see how they can if they relate to it, it may help them to start to process what has actually happened to them and seek support. Yeah, that's this kind of echoes my own, at least my observations. I'm, I'm new to the field of mental health, <clears throat> but the stories that I'm getting, the stories that I hear are, are similar to what you're saying. You know, it's just kind of this natural bubbling up. And it's partly of some consciousness shift. I don't, you know, there's all, every, almost every story, Sarah, is, is got, you know, there's, there's not God per se or religion, but there is a spirituality awareness uh, 
and a curiosity and kind of an intention to touch it, if you will, that I think hasn't been there for a while. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's this seems to be kind of about as close as I can get to it. Something's at something feels like something's happening. Well, if am I okay to share? Um, absolutely, about, yeah, absolutely. So with the clients that I have, everyone that I have seen, and even if they haven't been clients, but you know, spoken to them, yes, there has been some kind of well, stress plays a big factor. So okay. stress okay. is to the point where they might not have realized mm. that there was some stress back in uh, childhood. Okay. Something could have happened, like a small trauma, a big trauma, words that were said to them. And energetically, behind the scenes, the energies were already subtly changing. Mm. And the nervous system shutting down, the digestive system shutting down, the breath pattern changing as well. So all these kind of things were happening behind the scene so yeah I mean there's I find there's a a disconnect whether it's a disconnect with or living too externally and pushing through too externally and it's kind of bringing this like I don't like to say a question mark up but it's an invitation to go back within and reconnect with that spiritual self or reconnect with or feel the emotions, yeah. feel the emotions, feel the grief, feel what is happening to you rather than pushing it down and taking on that extra project or doing those extra hours of work and putting the rest of it to one mm-hmm. side because it does pop back. It does pop up. It does pop up for sure. Yeah. It is interesting. The high achievers and uh, the high flyers, I've always sometimes, I'd say not sometimes, I've always had, I have always had that question in the back of my mind when I look at people, uh, the drive. And sometimes their drive seems supernatural, like it's not normal. And, you know, and and now as I've matured and enough hear the stories, I can see sometimes that drive is not a very healthy drive. They're being driven by something not pure, right? It's a very ugly thing that's actually has them in that perfection mode in that have to be better than, you know, this mode. And so it's a, it's a sad truth about people really pushing is that quite often they're a bit broken and they're trying to, you know, somehow fix that through performance or life. People pleasing. So Mm. every single one has been a, a people pleaser. I'm not saying that's always going to be the case. Yeah, yeah. But but I've yeah. never seen one where there hasn't been an element of people pleasing. So highly sensitive empaths. Mm. And so feeling other people's emotions as well. And yeah. that can be from what happened to them as a child or what they experienced. So they were able to yeah. tune in to other people's feelings or feel the energies in the room as well. And what can come up, well, what is common is social anxiety. So anxiety, panic attacks, and this stress cycle that they just can't seem to, to come off. So by going external and, you know, pushing through and people-pleasing, there's like this want of acceptance that they may not have had as a child or they did have, 
Um, or it can also be as well with chronic fatigue that they took on parental roles. So they may have looked after other members of the family as well, or a parent could have been ill, or they could have been, um, you know, maybe they were doing some cooking where there was a parent that was ill or um, was an alcoholic or and yeah. it doesn't have to be so extreme, but something happening within the family background as well. You know, where the family dynamics of you being a child and enjoying childhood in some way or shape was affected. So boundaries yes. can be blurred as well. And it can be simple words that were said to them that yes. can then push into that, you know, um, wanting to please others they could have been brought up with those patterns as well so there can be lots of um patterns and beliefs as well and um, oh, when yeah. i say beliefs like false beliefs that they've taken taken on as their own truths when they're actually somebody else's Ooh, that's wild mm. what do you how do you i mean for somebody listening that may listen to the show um how do you know you're ready for a coach um when you you will know yourself when it's time that mm. that's my view on it i would never push anything you, if, yeah. if this, go you know looking at clients that i have because so much work is to be done and yeah. deep things can come up that they may not be aware of even just to look on a website and to download something and to start thinking about it mm. can be huge because they may not have taken steps for like 10, 20, 30 years. Yes. And yeah, then yeah. to suddenly take one step forward after no steps, it's a massive breakthrough. So it's like taking <laughs> yeah. the small wings and just for me, it's take that small wing, look at the yeah. information. It is going to be uncomfy. It is an uncomfy space, but also staying in the illness of chronic fatigue is uncomfiness and is extremely painful. So they will know themselves and the way I work with clients, and I'm sure I can vouch for many others as well, is you go at the client's pace. Hmm. You know, a good yeah. specialist or, you know, they will go at their pace. Yes, there will be uncomfiness. And as a recovery specialist as well, I don't only do the coaching because coaching, depending on what kind of coaching you do, can leave people stuck because they're expecting them to have all the answers within them. Whereas the kind of coach that I am is a wellness coach, mm -hmm. a health and wellness coach. So I can ask the questions and because I've gone through my own journey, I know what to look for as well. And then training as a specialist. So yeah, I do think working with somebody who has been through it. Yeah. 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 I'm sure this, and there's a lot of coaches, I, the, my, the stories and the conversations, it, it really is personal journey and then using that uh, to, to turn around and help other people. Um, yeah. I like that idea of how you work. So when you get a client or, you know, you, yeah. Like, how do you, how do you open up with a client? How does it start? How do you kind of, you know, I'm like, I'm that executive and it's got to feel awkward because I'm a high performer. I don't really ask for help. That's not yeah. my nature. Right, I got this far on my own, and I bury everything. And I'm probably not going to tell you ninety percent of the stuff I should tell you. <laughs> it's our first call, right? How do you 
how do you manage clients like this? Because these are closed, perfect. These are high performing men and women who yeah. are ballers in their field. And they have all the, they always have the answers and they're never stressed out. At least, at least, you know, so how do you, <clears throat> you know, how do you talk to somebody like that? Because they're coming in and they're going to be, I'm holding my cards pretty close, but I want you to help me. So how do you crack these nuts? Firstly, I feel that they will be drawn to you as there will be a connection. So okay. that first call can be, sometimes I will send information out behind. Okay. So I, you know, kind of feel the space, feel the client, see what is, you know, right for them. So it isn't like this process of like going from A to Z. It's yeah, very yeah. much personalized uh, okay. wellness plan. And very much, you know, when we're on a call, it's listening. It's listening to them because it can be the first time that they've opened up. Yes. And just to say certain words is mm. empowering and freeing for them. But it can bring up so much for them to have taken those first steps, you know, in that personal healing journey or wellness journey. So it, it does vary. I may send things out behind. I may send like a timeline asking them to just write down key events, you know, that, that have happened. I may mm. ask them to write down or my, I may send them a form out just to tick the actual symptoms that they have or to write down oh. the symptoms that they have or to write a bit of a life story. And if we were on a, a first call, I may go through that with them together so they feel completely supported. Okay. And there may be some simple goal setting as well. So it does vary. I feel the clients and see what I is I feel is within a space of comfiness, but also uncomfy because you don't want to push somebody into too much uncomfiness when you're building a rapport. The rapport and that relationship yeah. of trust is way more important than having access to the information. And normally what they do come for or what they feel is the root of the chronic yeah. fatigue, it isn't. So again, it's being so careful and mindful around that of how, you know, it's not necessarily working on that immediately. It might be working on that, you know, months down the line when they're ready to open up even more. So I really feel it's 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 so personal. It's it's working with what is right for them so mm. that they feel that that trust and safety is there. That's that's at the forefront for me of everything that I do. Yeah. So I, I, that's interesting. So you spend, yeah, you're spending a lot of time getting to know the person. Yeah. With work going on behind. So nutrition is a biggie, gut health. So there's testing as well. So there's lots of blood tests to be done. There can be, oh, okay. you know, um, deficiencies, for example, zinc is a common one, vitamin A, vitamin D, so a natural way for vitamin D is, you know, going out into the sun because oh, we chronic fatigue. Crazy, crazy it talk. It is. But you know what? With chronic fatigue, you can, you can crash so easily. It sounds yeah. so simple to somebody who hasn't had chronic fatigue. But what happens is you start to spend more and more time in, more and more time in isolation less socializing because of social anxiety or the fear of not having enough energy to 
you know, accept invitations. So your days can be crashing on the sofa or crashing in bed in a darkened room. And I did that for days, even like I lived in a dark room with like the curtains closed, blinds closed. I mean, everything um, with zero energy. So your vitamin D levels can be affected. Oh, and the circadian rhythm is affected. So just being able to like we have a balcony. So if we'd have lived here at the time when I was ill, um, because my illness was over 20 years. So just stepping out onto the balcony in, you know, shorts, t-shirts, so that the the sun can actually go on the skin, that can make a big difference to start boosting the vitamin D as well. Yeah, you had said, well, I wanted to ask you a little bit on that because you had said wellness, right? And so, and I was assuming, and and I kind of did get that vision. Oh yeah, that's going to be all things, right? So you do you go over diet and food and, and, and yeah, Yeah. especially because chronic fatigue, Um, you're right. So there can be dysbiosis, there can be uh, leaky gut um, because of the closing down of the digestive system when you're living in that place of stress. Mm. So the nervous system is affected. So going into sympathetic and then coming out into parasympathetic. So basically the nervous system can become a bit wacky. Yes. You like. So that yeah. fight or flight. So with chronic fatigue, you're living much more in that zone of protection, safety, fear. So if you like, the way I described it to somebody when I'd recovered was, I was like this, I was like the bird in the nest and I would just kind of peep out the nest, check it out and then go back into the nest. So yeah. I wasn't the one that was like free flying because of the, the fears around trusting people and allowing people to get close to me. And that's still an issue. That's still an issue for me around my own well-being. Yeah, I'm um, sure. I'm sure that's a lifelong struggle to to get to that where it's not a a reaction. Right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, an, an instinct, like an animal instinct, right? How do you turn that off? I don't think you can turn. It's hard to kind of it's kind of hard to turn nature off uh, without a lot of program, a lot of work. Yeah interesting what do you i how much does diet play into that i mean is it a chicken and the egg i mean there's trauma but at some point too there's like there's also a chicken and an egg thing on that you like you start going inside and then you become ill because you're just not you're not eating healthy you're not getting sun you're not getting you're not walking you're not getting out so of course you're tired because you're you know the more you sleep the more you're tired and then you know it just becomes this bad vicious cycle how but how much of it do you think some of this really is triggered by poor diet because i think i mean right now like in america the diet is shocking um the 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 stuff we're eating the processed foods are like most of the stuff that's you can get at a a restaurants around is poison to some degree well it, it is a it's a huge factor so i ate healthily and so looking for things for me to reduce because your energy production is affected. 
So just to say you, you're living in this like cycle of this stress cycle and fatigue cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the digestive system is closing down. The breath is constantly changing with anxiety and panic attacks coming up. So the, you're not digesting the food the same. So if you're eating processed foods, you know, it's one of the first things to cut out. Processed foods, um, sugary drinks, you know, even water that has you know, flavor in it. So cut those out. Your, you know, I love those. Those are my favorite. Well, carbohydrates as well. Yeah. So there's so many ways that you can change your diet. And, you know, going gluten-free can help many people as well. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things I do work with. Um, but one of the things that can happen is like the leaky gut. And, you know, you've got to be very careful around that as well. So one of the ways to support the leaky gut is by cutting out these things like the gluten, the fizzy drinks, the processed food, and coming back to, you know, simple whole foods. Yeah. For some people, it could be raw food as well, as long as it's all thoroughly, you know, cleaned. Um, so there's so many ways that you can do it. You know, you can, there's like a really good one you can use is um, adaptogens. So you can use like these, um, I'm trying to think of the word now. It's like a, a carbon. Um, I'm not going to in front of me. And basically, you put this into. Basically, you can buy them in tablets, or you. And um, when you're having your meal, you take this prior to it, and it helps to because one of the problems is toxicity as well. Is it the charcoal? So sorry, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, the charcoal. charcoal. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, so the charcoal, so you, that is one thing you can do straight away. And that mm. helps the um, toxins, to, it attracts the toxins from the food um, because the lymphs as well can be affected. So, you know, another thing you can do for the lymphs um, is you can just, because I do Qigong as well, so one of the things you can do is kind of the fists and you can just kind of, how can I say, stand tall and then bend the knees slightly because one of the things is, well, we're then looking at life source energy. And mm. basically with chronic fatigue, you're using that energy up much faster. And with Qigong, the way that it looks it, you're born with a certain amount of energy from your parents, ancestors, and that is used up. Um, that this is for your lifetime, if you like. So basically, by going standing in a certain position, yeah. by just standing up. I mean, I can do it if you want me to. Um, just to yeah, show okay. anybody. But, exactly. but and back. basically, it's a straight back. But then what you do is you tilt the pelvis, the pelvis forward. Okay. And this is opening what's called the mean men on the back. And what can happen oh. because because of um, the nervous system there can be a break in chronic fatigue in the messages coming through. Yeah. And this is starting to open it up. And because you're living from fear-based living, quite often the kidneys are affected as well, especially if you've had chronic fatigue over many years, which then can have a knock-on effect with the liver as well. So, and others, yeah. It's a vicious cycle, but the simple things you can do, and one of the simplest, like, you know, going back to diet is, you know, changing your diet, coming off those drinks, coming off caffeine as well, because quite a lot use caffeine to prop up their energies. 
So you, I've I was, different things I, I, you said about. Yeah, so. I don't know, Sarah. Everything you said up till then, I really liked. But when you got to the caffeine part, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not following you. <laughs> chicory, chicory is really good. So you could have chicory instead, which is, you know, some people have instead of coffee. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm hearing different things being said about coffee. Some are saying it's okay. Some are saying it isn't. So I think it depends who you go to. Um, it's and moder moderation. See, I, with my clients, it's like, mm -mm. <laughs> because it can, with, if, when you have the caffeine, especially if you're having three, four, five cups a day, it's propping oh. up the energy. And really what you want to do is crash, allow yourself to crash and go into that phase of rest and repair yeah. if you like. Whereas the caffeine, it keeps propping it up. And the moment you take that out, you get a, a truer picture of your energy levels. Yeah. Oh, I think if you're drinking five cups, <clears throat> I mean, I was that guy, five cups of coffee when you're in the business, when you're in the grind and you're in your, yeah, yeah. Five cups is a normal, a normal, uh, that's a normal day back in my, back in my days. Um, or certain drinks. This, um, I know I had a friend who she's Portuguese and oh my gosh, is it called Munster or something? She didn't have chronic fatigue, but she was like these energy drinks and she was oh, just like those... propping herself up with these energy oh, drinks are... so if you'd have taken those energy drinks away to see and given her a few days see what her energy levels were oh goodness it would have been different well i mean she's also being poisoned those energy drinks are poison right because mm. the sugar they've got all kind of chemicals i don't know the list of chemicals on there is frightening um yeah energy bring energy drinks bad people all sugars, yeah. all processed, all processed sugars, probably 90% of the population would have an instant uplift in their, in a lot of things if they cut out just crappy carbs and sugars. Well, and sugars, definitely with chronic fatigue, let go of like cut out all sugars because it's giving you sugar spikes. Yeah. So you get these highs and lows and you, you want to get to this like level place of the blood sugar level. I just found a really good sugar. I don't know if you can read that or not, but it's yeah. uh, it's not going to come out. It's raw honey. Uh, raw honey, yeah. Uh, do you know what you so can do for good. sleep? Because sleep is affected with chronic fatigue. Oh. With the cortisol levels, and you're looking at your melatonin, you're looking at serotonin yeah, as yeah. well, so it can be a night-day reversal. So a really good one is just a small spoon of honey and mm. put some salt on it. But you want, you know, a proper salt and it yeah, that real can salt. really help. Yeah, real salt. And that can help you to sleep, not straight away, but maybe like half an hour after. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those good mineral salts. Show, yeah. Those good mineral salts are good for what? Uh, uh, water absorption, right? And in, in the transfer into your cells at the cellular yeah. level. Sarah, I mean, any kind of closing thoughts, any message for the audience? How do you know how do they find you and all that good stuff? We got whoops, I didn't put up my <clears throat> I didn't put up your banner. Let's okay. get your banner up there. So what I would say is the medical profession treat them, you know, with somebody who has chronic fatigue, I hear this so much. They're kind of like taken from like one space to another to another. And mm -hmm. personally, and I see this a lot, they're told it's in the head. I just want to say to anybody who's out there who is struggling <laughs> with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, MS, or any autoimmune illness, those symptoms are real. 
and yes. recover it absolutely is possible. Working with the right people in the right way, it is possible. Um, I had it for over 20 years. I was bed bound. I'd lost sensation. I had no sensation from the lower part of my body. I could only feel half my head, my arm. I lost my eyesight a couple of times. Um, I had Raynaud's disease. So there's so many symptoms and people who have chronic fatigue do know, you know, it's like, mm. it just affects everything. So I just want to say, keep that door open to recovery and you will know when it's the right time to work with the right person. And if somebody's saying your recovery isn't possible, make your own choice around that. And Find look at the people who are, look at the people who have recovered. Yeah. Find a new coach. If, you, if your doctor or coach says that, time to change. Time time if to they change. tell you you cannot recover, you need to find somebody new. Find somebody 100%. else who knows how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And will support you in the right way. So there we are. They can, you, you can find me on www.soe7scoaching.com. And there's some free resources on there. There's a, just like 50 oh. powerful ways to um, start your chronic fatigue journey in 30 days. And there's a newsletter. So, and they can reach out. If there is anything, they can reach out. There's like a, a message on there as, you know, a little live thing. And they, if they have any questions off the back of this, mm. I'm happy to answer any of them and get back to them personally. Sarah, thanks for sharing. Um, really, I mean, interesting personal story. I didn't know your your story was that deep. Um, that That's powerful. So you speak from... I think anybody coming to you would have some confidence. You know the road. You've been on the. You've been on that road. <laughs> Any road they've been on, it seems like you've probably been on, at least seen the road from where you're at. Um, yeah. Thanks again for sharing, and I think it's great. I think it's great what you're doing. I love how you have taken your personal journey and, and like I was describing before, turned around and offering a hand to somebody else along the way. Super powerful. Thanks everybody for listening to Mental Health Today. Please just share this episode. It's probably the most you know powerful way you can help support the show. Let somebody else know about it, especially if somebody you know with you know chronic fatigue or some you know early childhood trauma that's you know somehow manifested in some way. It'll manifest itself. Thanks again, Sarah. Hang around for thirty seconds. I'll see you on the other side. Okay. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, loose baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're gonna go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it, it changes all the time. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change.